Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Miss Lambert? Yes, please come in, Mr. Dollar. She was tall without awkwardness, had the physique of an athlete, but still with softness. And a golden tan made her seem out of place, set against the snow heaped on the sill outside the windows. Thank you for coming, Mr. Dollar. I realize that mine was a rather unusual request to make of an insurance company. Not at all, Miss Lambert. The company doesn't want to lose a policyholder any more than you want to lose a brother. But there are a lot of good private detectives in New York. I couldn't afford one. I had thought of notifying the police, but I realized that Bruce's case would be just one of many to them. They're so impersonal. And if there's a chance of any notoriety... Miss Lambert, if you mean that for some reason you'd rather the police didn't find him, you'd better tell me about it. Yes, of course I was going to. I don't see how it could make any difference. Please sit down. Maybe we'd better start way back at the beginning, huh? That would be in Egypt, wouldn't it? Yes. In the desert some hundred miles west of Thebes. My brother's an archaeologist, and he'd uncovered some ruins. It was quite an important discovery, something about the 12th dynasty. I I don't know much about it. You were with him? Yes, I didn't spend much time at the excavation site. I stayed in the village. But the reason the police might make it difficult is that Bruce discovered some relics that he didn't declare to the authorities there. You mean he swiped them? Well, if you're in the habit of using extreme bluntness, I suppose you could put it that way. All right, I'm sorry. Please, Mr. Dollar, this is quite unpleasant for me. If Bruce had stolen all the relics, you wouldn't expect it to make any difference in how I felt about his disappearance, would you? Well, I'm afraid I can't do anything for you. I've got to know these things if I'm going to help you. Wait. I'm... I'm sorry. I'll tell you everything I know. All right. What were those relics that your brother didn't declare? Well, I'm not sure how many there were. There was some statuary, an obsidian head of some old king, and then there was a scarab. It was supposed to have been the official seal of this king. Do you know how valuable this stuff is? I'm afraid that it might be very valuable in some circles. That's what I was afraid of, that someone harmed Bruce or even... But there's so many things to be afraid of. He isn't strong. Maybe even his mind. He was injured quite severely in a traffic accident in Alexandria just before we left Egypt. 
I've got to find out. What could have happened to him? Come on. We, we can't find out this way. What does your brother look like? Is he light or dark? Here's a snapshot. Oh. He's blonde. His hair is straight and was quite long when I last saw him. And that was four days ago? Yes. The day our ship docked, I was arranging for my luggage. He just disappeared. What else? What's his bill? Slight, medium, heavy? Slight, I'd say. What about his clothes? Well, he was wearing a dark blue suit and a gray overcoat. The right sleeve of both would be empty because his right arm and shoulder are in a cast. Uh-huh. A traffic accident. Huh? Yes, both were fractured. I wish I were able to be more help. But I've told you everything I know. He just vanished. Did he... Did he have any enemies that no. you know of? No, there's not even that. I can't let myself lose hope. But what can we do? How do you start looking for somebody with so little to go on? Before I answered her question, we started at the beginning again. The second run-through was pretty much like the first. But disappearance from a foreign ship in the port of New York is not as easy as the telling of it. I left the troubled Marsha, checked into an eighth-floor room in the Brighton Arms, where a phone call told me the North Fleet had already sailed. No hope of information there. So I headed for the U.S. Customs Office. Good afternoon. Mr. Nixon? Yes? Well, my name is Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. The girl outside said you could help me. I'd like to get some information on a passenger who arrived from Alexandria on the North Fleet. A North Fleet? Well, I'd have to know the day of arrival and the name of the line. Uh, it was four days ago. They'd made it... Uh, that would make it the 20th. It's a British ship. A North Fleet? Well, no... the passenger's name? Lambert, Bruce Lambert. Did he uh, clear any luggage through customs? Bruce Lambert. Mm. Yeah. Witnessed the examination of one piece of luggage, a suitcase. Personal effects, one piece of statuary purchased in Alexandria. No duty. Uh, what address did he give you? Bruce Lambert. Uh, no street number. No hotel. The Brighton Arms. Oh, the Brighton Arms. Yeah. Well, don't count on that. Expense account item two, $30, which, with my ID card, helped impress the cab drivers who worked the entrance to the pier where the North Fleet had docked. Checking these cabs took the whole afternoon, and midway through it, I realized I wasn't the only one interested in that particular hack stand. I wasn't sure at what moment I'd actually noticed him. He was doing a very bad job of hiding behind a Journal American on the other side of the street. All I could see was the lower half of an overcoat, the same of some razor-sharp trousers and some pointed shoes. But I began to feel his eyes looking at me as I went on with my questioning. That finally paid off through the mouth of driver number 782. You know, you meet all kinds in this business. Some you forget, and uh, some others you remember. Yeah, well, do you remember a guy with his arm and shoulder in a cast? And something you learn in this business. That's to read people's faces. You get to know a deadbeat before he gets a chance to deadbeat you. And you catch on if a guy is scared of something. Well, if he was afraid of something, it's not me. 
He's been reported missing by his sister. I've been hired to find him. How much does ten bucks buy? You know, maybe he don't want to be found. Is that what you think? Sure. He paid me more to climb up than you offered. Well, I've got more. What are you going to do with him? I want to talk to him. I want to find out if he's all right. If he wants to stay lost, that's his business, not mine. How's 25? Get in, my boy. Get very far from here. Our destination turned out to be an old red brick hotel near 39th Street between 10th and 11th Avenue. And it occurred to me that as an archaeologist, Lambert was running true to form. He'd even used some ruins to hold up in. One $5 bill bought the information from the room clerk that Lambert was out of his room, and another bought a passkey that let me in. The first thing to catch my eye when I switched on the light was a black piece of statuary shining dully on a chipped bureau, a crowned head with exaggerated features sculptured in obsidian. I posed myself this riddle. If it was so valuable, why didn't Lambert take better care of it? But before I had a chance to try for the answer, a foot nudged the door open behind me. As might be expected, it was wearing a pointed shoe and was followed into the room by a slight yellow ivory-skinned man who rather resembled the black statue. I must thank you for leading us to the hiding place. Where is he? Well, that depends on who he's hiding from. It looks like it's you. Perhaps it is that you do not know where he is. Yeah, perhaps. I followed your taxi after you talked with those drivers. That was very smart. Where did you think I expected you to go? What's your interest in Lambert? You were employed by the girl to find him. How much does she pay you? I never talk money with a stranger. Or perhaps we will not be strangers for long. The point of importance is that you have not yet found him. Mr. Drummond will pay you $2,000 to do so. Mr. Drummond is generous, but what makes you so sure I haven't found Lambert? Because he is not here. But that only means he's someplace else. Please? I have no wish for violence. Well, then put that thing away. In the first place, gunfire, even in this neighborhood, is going to bring the law. In the second place, that's a lady's gun. One of those handbag jobs. You know, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for carrying it. Please, I have no wish to use it. Then get rid of it. I hate little men who try to play bully. There was more than that behind my fist. I figured I could learn to know him better if he was quietly stretched out on the floor. I was half right. An Egyptian passport told me that his name was Ammon Hyksos. Hometown, Alexandria. There was nothing else. I could turn Hyksos over to the police on an assault charge, or I could wait until he woke up and try knocking some information out of him. But I didn't do either. I left him there in the lobby. I gave a message to the room clerk for Lambert, telling him to stay out of his room when he came back and to phone me at the Brighton Arms. 
Who is it? Dollar. Oh, just a second. Is there any news? Did you learn anything, Mr. Dollar? Yeah, I made some progress. I met Ammon Hicksus. You told me your brother didn't have any enemies. That little Egyptian is out looking for him with a gun. Why'd you lie to me? I have no right to ask you to believe me now. That's so true. But I wish you would. Please come here and sit down. No, no, thanks. You sit there and I'll stand here. I I think I'll be less inclined to believe you from here. That's not fair. I know. I wasn't fair with you either. I want to be. But there are some things I just can't tell you. Why not? Well, I can't tell you that either. No, nuts. Women like you make everything tougher than it should be. You demand all, but you give nothing. You ask to be trusted, and you won't trust. You make yourselves look soft when you're as hard as steel. You've got warmth, but you, you only turn it on when you get something out of it. You're wrong. I was trying to help him. Or us. I had to lie. Look, I started this thing wanting to help you. Uh, there was something personal about it. But you wanted me to do things your way and not mine. Well, we just stopped doing that. Please leave me alone. Just go away. Go back to Hartford and forget you were ever here. I wish I could. But I'm working for an insurance company looking for a missing policyholder. Well, I'll be up in my room if you decide to help me find it. called your insurance company when you took the run out. They hired me. Good for Marcia. Uh, is she all right? Well, that depends on your point of view. I suppose she's being the helpful sister to you, but for me, she's done nothing but act mysterious. Well, I don't get it. But you won't tell the truth about you. I hope you do better. She... Uh, she told you she was my sister? Well, sure she did. Why shouldn't she? It... Well, I can't see why she'd do that. She isn't your sister? No, I don't understand it. She my fiance. I don't understand it at all. Uh, where is she? I better talk to her. That's a good idea. Room 317, Brighton Arms. I'll be there with her, waiting for you. Which, in a way, was how it worked out. Except that I waited for him in the corridor outside her room. I left Marsha where I found her. She was on the bathroom floor where she died from wounds inflicted by the proverbial blunt instrument, and where her lies had died with her. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first... Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
Margaret? Yes? It's all right. I'm Dollar. Didn't take you long to get here. Where'd you phone from? Just around the corner. A bar. Why do you ask? Where's Marsha? Marsha's dead. I don't believe you. I want to go in there. She isn't dead. Let me in there. Come on. Use your head, will you? There's nothing. Oh, your arm. I'm sorry. Look, you don't want to go in there. Believe me, you don't. There's nothing you can do for her. She can't be dead. She can't be. Come on. Where? Why? I want you to come up to my room with me. You've got to do two things. First, give me every reason you can think of why this should have happened. And then, before the police get here, you'd better start rehearsing a story of your own. Now, Abbott, the first hole in Marsha's story is that she wasn't in Thieves while you were... Working on your ruins. That's right. I didn't even know her then. I met her in the hospital in Alexandria after my accident. I was there for two months, you see. She was my, my nurse. But, but she did know about the relics. That statue and the scarab that I haven't seen. Oh, y- yes. Yes, here it is. Uh, this this is the scarab. Oh, yes, she knew. We talked about my, my little deceit. Well, how little is it, really? You you talk about two attempts on your life. Now we have actual murder. You'd better let me have that scarab. Oh, yes, yes, of course. But surely you don't think the relics are at the bottom of this? They're rare, but not valuable enough for this. Unless someone knows more about them than I do. I doubt that. I've made a thorough study of the 12th dynasty and King Amenemet III. It's a carving into his head. What do you know about a man named Ammon Hicksus? Uh, and another whose last name is Drummond. Hicksus, uh... Ammon Hicksus? You know him? Does it ring any kind of a bell? No, I, I, I'm afraid not. Drummond means nothing. Oh, all right. Let's try the two attempts on your life. What about them? Well, they happened on the nights of the 17th and the 18th. Both of them could have been accidental, except that... Well, the same small man stood near me both times. It would be too much for me to hope you, you could describe him, I suppose. Well, it, it was dark... Both times I was on the promenade deck, and something heavy was thrown or pushed from the deck above. I reported the second one, and the ship's officer apologized for the carelessness. But you thought enough of it to disappear. Oh, I certainly did. Instead of going to the police. Yes. Oh, I suppose it was wrong, but you must understand, I was desperate. Well, we'd better go down to the third floor. I I hope the police think more of your story than I do. In 20 minutes, room 317 really looked like a murder scene. The place was swarming with New York's finest, white with fingerprint powder and blinding with flash bulbs. The lieutenant to whom I made my statement looked as if he thought I was as crazy as I thought everybody else in the mess was. But then he changed his mind. Dollar. Hey, where is that insurance stake? Ah, uh, here I am. in the bathroom. Oh, there you are, darling. Yeah, find a suicide note or something? What'd you say that name was? Ammon, uh... uh Hicksus. Yeah. Well, I guess there aren't too many ways to spell that one, so this must be it. Pillbox. Let me see that. Prescription from Alexandria. Dr. Ammon Hicksus. We'll put a tracer on that phone number you took off him first thing in the morning. Yeah. Hey, uh... Are you going to take Lambert in for questioning? I guess we'd better. Routine. He's clear as far as I can see. Well, do something for me, will you? Uh, Have your doctors run a test of that plastic ass of his. 
And call me in my room, huh? A test for what? Well, just look it over. It would make a handy, blunt instrument, if nothing else. Expense account item three, $7.50. A few late cocktails, a rare steak, and coffee in the Brighton Arms dining room. After which I picked up an armful of extra additions so I could catch up on what I'd been doing. I self-operated my way to the eighth floor and started toward my room. I was looking forward to a hot shower, but I didn't get it. I was still looking forward, but into a familiar gun muzzle. This is the one, Garrett. Ah, yes, Mr. Dollar. May I introduce myself, sir? Garrett Drummond at your service. Our meeting has been postponed too long. Well, there's a difference of opinion on that. You will please open your door. How can I refuse that pint-sized invitation you're still carrying? After you, sir. And I need to remind you that my friend here is prepared for any rash move upon your part. Look, I'm tired. I don't have a rash move left in me. Close the door, Alan. I suggest that you sit there, Mr. Dollar, in that unsightly straight-back chair. Thanks a lot. Uh, now, sir, I shall plunge right to the point. Where is that scoundrel, Bruce Lambert? Well? I think I just decided that I don't know. Please, we have no wish for violence. You always say that with a gun in your hand. Well, let's get started. You make your pitch, I'll make my refusal, and we'll see where we go from there. I have already made what I consider to be a generous offer for so unimportant a bit of information as merely the whereabouts of Lambert. $2,000. But if it will expedite matters, I am prepared to expand my offer by another 1000 on the spot, sir. The higher you bid, the greedier I get. What makes Lambert so important to you? A problem which is entirely out of your province, my boy. How much do you know of Egyptian legend, sir? Oh, no more than a dollar's worth. Ah, pity. A fascinating subject. Well, sir, Bruce Lambert has in his possession a certain object of great importance, both culturally and economically. Certain landowners in Egypt hold it in such high esteem, sir, that as a reward for its return to them, they would throw open to exploitation untapped oil fields, the richness of which would shake the very foundations of world economy. Are they shaky enough as it is? My boy, think what it would mean to a civilization fast approaching the depletion of its petroleum sources. New horizons, sir, a brave new world. Lambert owes to us all relinquishment of this object so that it may serve humanity. You're right. And it may be easier than you think. Splendid, sir. Where is he? Which relic is it? The black statue your playmate could have picked up for free? It is King Amenemet Scarab that I would discuss with Lambert. I demand to know where he is. Why waste time on him? I've got the Scarab. I find that most difficult to believe, Mr. Dollar. Well, I'll show No, it. no, no. Keep your hands away from your pockets. Ammon will save you the trouble. Ammon. Please remain still, Mr. Dollar. My wish is for peacefulness. Sure. Right coat pocket. He speaks truly, Garrett. Here it is. What's the matter, Garrett? You don't have that brave new world look anymore. Uh, I should be the first to admit, sir, that the lie has been put to the tail I created upon this useless skeegaw. But, Mr. Dollar, now that we are forced to fall back upon the truth, I remind you that it sometimes hurts. Your position has not been... The desk knows I'm up here, answered Mr. Dollar. But be cautious. Unfortunately, I do not share Ammon's of 
aversion to violence. Yeah? Dollar? That's right. This is Lieutenant Black. Say, was that a hunch you had about that cast of Lambert's? Why do you ask? Well, if it was, it was a good one. The doctors won't let us take it off, but we cut into it. It was put on in three layers. The middle one was wrapped in narcotics. Yeah? Don't be so modest, Dollar. There must be 300,000 bucks worth. No, sometimes it's a whole month before we get that much. Looks like the work of your friend, Dr. Ammon Hicksus. Yeah. Oh, wake up, Dollar. I want to check Lambert's statement with yours. I'll have you there in ten minutes. Goodbye. Okay. I commend you, sir, upon your show of intelligence. Who was it? The police. They're looking for Lambert. Oh, and what did they give as their reason? Narcotics. The story of a man bound for America who cracked up in a car, and while he was unconscious and being patched, said narcotics were put in his cast by a Dr. Ammon Hicksus, probably assisted by a nurse named Marcia. But there is no proof. Ammon, we'll waste no time on evasion. Yes, we use the boy. A courageous scheme, but for that silly goose of a girl. She was the true conspirator, and the traitor as well. She happened to fall in love with the guy. Ah, the romantic Atlantic crossing. An empty proposal of marriage suddenly becomes more important than actual coin of the realm. But enough of that. The police are looking for him, and... Aunt teeth, so am I. Where is he? I don't know. Ammon, call his hotel in 39th Street. No. Wait, my friend. The police must be watching that... Are they, Mr. Dollar? Well, that's where his personal things are. If I were the police, I'd be watching. Yes, we seem to find ourselves in such a position that we must at least pretend to see eye to eye, sir. Very well. We shall wait here. The chips are down, so to speak. Ammon. Yes, Garrett. Take the pistol. Into the bathroom with you. With the door slightly ajar, you shall have a splendid command of the arena, as it were. Yes, Garrett. And remember, the stakes are high. Yes, Garrett, I will remember. And now, Mr. Dollar, it would seem that little remains but the waiting. The waiting was more than enough. Drummond settled himself on the bed, facing the door, his pudgy hands folded over his bulging waist. I was still in the desk chair, facing him. As usual, the police were late. Twenty minutes passed before we heard the knock on the door. Your guest, Mr. Dollar. Come, we shall go to the door together. Now, keep your back to me and open it. It's your party, Drummond. Come in, Lambert. Not Lambert, the police. I'm and shoot. Drummond's wound wasn't half as excruciating as his call for help. The doctors report that his shoulder will be in a cast, that as soon as the state of New York can gather a jury, he will stand trial on the charge of first-degree murder. The body of Ammon Hicks's was taken to the morgue. As an insurance company, you are probably less interested in that than in the fate of your policyholder, Bruce Lambert. That's explained in expense account item 4, $280 hospital bill paid in advance. In view of the possibility that there may be others interested in that $300,000 cash 
of narcotics he has to carry around with him until his arm is okay, I thought it would be safer to keep him under wraps. Oh, by the way, while he was lying there, helpless, I sold him a policy for you, covering the scarab and that carved head. Expense account total, $456.90. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkins' United Artists production, D.O.A., Featured in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Jane Novello, Ed Begley, John Daner, and Pat McGeehan. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. $54,000 is burning a little old hole in that little old jackpot of Sing It Again this week, just waiting for somebody to light up the right answer and drop the cash and prizes in his lap or her lap. Dan Seymour gives the gals the same chance he gives the fellas when he starts putting in those calls from coast to coast. So be listening this Saturday when Sing It Again and the $54,000 Phantom Voice come your way on most of these same CBS stations. This program was transcribed in Hollywood. Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Dollar, thank goodness I found you. Why, what's up? You've got to leave for New York, Dollar. Immediately. A policyholder. He's afraid for his life. Here we go again. Who's he afraid of? Well, he wouldn't say over the telephone. All I know is, to us, he's worth $100,000 alive. Well, that makes it simple. He must be afraid of somebody to whom he's worth $100,000 dead. <laughs> Thank you.
Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, American Continental Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures fulfilling your assignment as a, well, as a bodyguard. The body being that of your late policyholder, Robert W. Perry. Expense account, item one, fare on night train, Hartford to New York, 365. Expense account item two, $1.80 taxi to Lower Manhattan, following morning, to offices Perry and Van Bruten, importers, arriving as promised at exactly 9 a.m. Good morning. May I help you? Yes, you certainly can. My name is Johnny Dollar. I have an appointment with Mr. Perry for 9 o'clock. Oh, yes. From the insurance company. <laughs> well, you're right on time. Yes, they told me I'd better be. And I'm glad that I am. Uh, Mr. Perry just came in. He's alone and waiting for you. I'll buzz him that you're here. Thanks. left of your policyholder, Mr. Perry, was just sliding out of a swivel chair as I hit the room. The top of his desk had erupted and splinters of mahogany pointed their sharp fingers upward through lazy circles of smoke swirling toward the ceiling. The buzzer from his secretary's desk had been rigged to a booby trap. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mr. Perry. Stay away from him. Come on, there's nothing you can do. He's dead. But whatever happened... Let's go. Let's get back out of here. Here you are. Sit down. I'll get you a drink of water. Come on, drink this. There's a doctor on the third floor. Shall I call him? Never mind the doctor. Go call the police. Nobody gets in here till they arrive. Now, the rest of you, go on, run along, beat it, will you? And have the building superintendent turn off that alarm. Okay, miss, I'll take it easy. It was all so sudden. What happened? Well, that's not hard to figure out. Somebody wanted to give your boss, Mr. Perry, a shortcut through life. So whoever it was figured out that a secretary would never buzz a boss unless he was at his desk. He rigged up a bomb somewhere in his desk that would go off when you buzzed him. Oh, then, then, then I killed him. Now, now, I... wait a minute, will you? Wait a minute. Don't go hysterical on me. There's excitement enough, and there'll be more when the police get here, so you keep cool. But I did it. You saw me do it. Look, honey, the way you put it, I killed him by coming in here and giving you my name so you would buzz him. And I was here to protect him. So drop it, will you? I... I'm sorry. Now, tell me, what about yesterday? Was Perry here? Yes, all day. What time was it when you last used the buzzer? Why, oh, right up to the last minute, about 5.30. Who left the office first? Oh, Mr. Perry, he always leaves first. I lock up. From the looks of things, you should have used more locks last night. Oh. Somebody got in here to do some wiring. Oh, I forgot that fire alarm. Look, 
before the police arrived. Do you know why I was sent here? Oh, yes. Mr. Perry felt that his life was in danger. He thought that, well, with a $100,000 policy, the insurance company would do everything they could to help keep him alive. Oh, he didn't have much of a chance, did we? What was he afraid of? I don't know. Okay. Tell me, what were his other appointments for today? Why, he only had two. His partner, Mr. Van Bruten, at 11, and later he No, had one a... at a time, please. Van Bruten. Anything special about their meeting? Oh, yes, Mr. Van Bruten arrived just yesterday from Holland. Oh, you mean there was a branch of this firm in Holland, Oh, huh? yes. Uh, Mr. Perry was buying out Van Bruten's interest. They had their final meeting at Van Bruten's hotel last night. I see. Van Bruten was coming by this morning to, to pick up his money. Cash? No, a, a cashier's check. The bank is to deliver it here at 10.30. Well, Perry's other appointment, who is that? Christine, his wife. Now, now she tells me. Christine, the beneficiary. Yes. She wouldn't have been the beneficiary in about another two weeks. They were getting a divorce. Thanks for the motive. You don't like her. Well, I... I, I didn't mean it that way. Well, how about Perry? Did you like him? Okay, here's an easier one. What's your name? Susan. Susan Gates. Now, isn't that about enough? Okay, Susan, you better save your voice. During the next few hours, you're gonna have to do a lot of talking. I've been everywhere else. Is the fire in here? Well, you'll have to stick around. When the cops get here, somebody will get burned. The firemen should have stuck around because the cops arrived in a blaze of glory. It was a very high-class investigation, two lieutenants. Finally, after about an hour, the police photographer ran out of flashbulbs, the office of the deceased ran out of fingerprints, and the lieutenants ran out of questions. So the on-the-scene phase of the investigation was closed. At about five minutes of 11, I left the police packing up their notebooks, their clues, and the body, and went into the outer office. Susan looked like she could use a big, broad shoulder to weep on, but unfortunately, I was wearing my light gray suit. About then, a dark blue suit and a deep green voice entered the room from the corridor. There, there. There's a fellow out here says he belongs here. His name is Van Bruten. Well, what do you think? His name is on the door you just opened. Oh. Well, now, my name happens to be Murphy, and it's on beds all over the country. But that don't mean I'm stuffed with feathers, does it? Well, never cross tongues with an Irishman. All right, send him in, officer. Uh, all right, you can go in. There's a policeman out there. There's trouble here. Uh, I am Brian Van Bruden. There is Mr. Perry. What? He is waiting for me, no? No. But my appointment... He's not keeping any. He's dead. Dead? This is not possible. Last night I saw him. He was well. What happened? He was hit by a buzz bomb. A buzz bomb? Oh, please. You, you mean... That there was foul play? Yes, yes, it was very foul. Oh, please. I may sit down. My first visit in all these years since before the war. It was to be so happy. But now tragedy like this. He was a good man, a, a good partner. 
I understand that as of last night, you were no longer partners. Yeah, yeah. I am glad you mentioned that. I realize, of course, that it is indelicate to speak of such things as money at a time like this, but uh, that is why I am here, uh, to receive my payment. Just because Perry got his, there's no reason for you not getting yours, huh? Oh, but you, you misunderstand me. I am deeply grieved, but, well, since the transaction was consummated, what is there to do? A, a delay would be a needless waste of money. I have already paid for passage back to Antwerp tomorrow. Uh, your, your check is here, Mr. Van Boot. Oh. Here you are. God, uh, uh, thank you. In all of my years of business, this is indeed the saddest moment. Yeah. Well, if I didn't have some work to do, I'd sit down with you and we'd all have a good cry. Expense account item three, 90 cents, phone call to the home office. Mr. Gordon's office. Look, honey, this is Johnny Dollar. I want to speak to Mr. Gordon. Uh, while I'm telling him what I've got to tell him, maybe you'd better sit there in his lap with some smelling salts. I'm not that type of a secretary. Besides, he doesn't have a lap. <laughs> Hello, Dollar. How are you making out? Out? About $100,000. Uh, what's that? Yeah. You know, you should have sent me earlier. Somebody turned Mr. Perry into a firecracker just after I got here. He's dead. Oh. Oh, oh, that's bad news. Big policy. Yeah, what I want to know is shall I stay on the case? Well, certainly, Dollar, by all means. Oh, um, is there a chance of uh, proving suicide? There's a non-payment clause. Yeah, to make this one a suicide, there'd have to be a Santa Claus. Nobody could hate himself enough to do it this way. Uh, well, uh, what are the fraud possibilities? Fair, there's an estranged wife. She's the beneficiary, but she wouldn't have been in a couple of weeks. Divorce coming up. I'll start with her. All right, Dollar. Good luck. Uh, but watch those expenses. Why, Gordon, I'm surprised. I think an insurance man would be the first to want to see a fellow live a little. Christine Perry's apartment was on Sutton Place overlooking the East River. I took the elevator up to the 24th floor, and there I discovered that our garden-fresh widow was living high in more ways than one. Everything about the place was French. The maid who led me into the living room through a long foyer, the decor, and the perfume which reminded you that breathing can be fun. I looked up from enjoying my nose to see Mrs. Perry looking down hers. Mr. Dollar? Mrs. Perry. I believe we can dispense with the social amenities... You're an insurance investigator, interested in the death of my husband. So naturally, you're here because you've jumped to the conclusion that I killed him. Uh, you're the one that's jumping to conclusions, lady. And careful you don't break your leg. What do you want? The policy's in order. Premiums are fully paid. You know, I'm not quite sure what I want. I know that you've got a great motive. So far, the only motive I've found. You haven't had much time to look, have you? Check. This is my first stop. Maybe you can help me. Do you know anyone who would be happier with your husband out of the way? I know very little about my husband's friends. For that matter, his activities for the past six months. That's when I left him. Well, that's not much help for either of us. You know, without someone else to suspect, I may just have to concentrate on you. Mr. Dollar. 
I pick the men I want to concentrate on me. I hope you're as long on alibis as you are short on temper. Where were you last night? With a friend, Al Donovan. For the while, the same place my husband was. But I have witnesses to prove who was with him. Anybody at the Clover Club can tell you. Save me a trip. I can't afford the prices they get over there. Certainly. A pleasure. My husband was with his beautiful little secretary, Susan Gates. Well, I wouldn't be more surprised if your late husband walked through that door and said... All right, mister, that's enough. How? Yeah. How much did you hear? I'm a big guy, baby, six foot four. I've got big ears to match. Al, please. Would this be Mr. Donovan, your companion of last evening? I'm getting you out of here, Christine. Al, you don't know what you're saying. You lie to me. How can I help you if you lie to me? You call me stupid. The way you're playing this, you'll alibi yourself right into a cell. Now, I'm getting you out of oh, here. What are you doing to me, Al? You're crazy. Come on. She's right. You are stupid, Donovan. She was doing just fine till you dropped in. Mister, you've been asking a lot of questions. Now I'm going to give you one answer. All right, Christine. So much for the wise guy. Now about you and your alibi. You wasn't with me at the Clover Club last night. And if it's so easy to prove that your husband was there with his secretary, who were you there with? Remember, baby, you told me you were going to be with your husband. When Al measured me for that swing, I measured my chances with him. To me, he looked like one of those corporate assets of Murder Incorporated. So I rolled with the punch and kept my eyes closed and ears open. What I heard was Christine's alibi flying out the window, Mr. Donovan giving her a few loving cuffs, and finally, the pair of them flying out the door. Just then, the noon whistle blew somewhere in New York, and I decided to allow myself the luxury of one full minute for lunch. In just a moment, we'll return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first... And now we return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Edmund O'Brien. spent the minute I took out for lunch, eating a handful of Mrs. Perry's bonbons on the run. I hit the street just in time to see Donovan pushing Christine Perry into a cream-colored convertible. When they got rolling, I piled into an even yellower vehicle with a meter on it and started off crosstown playing tag through traffic. At 57th and Broadway, things got complicated. My cab was three cars behind them when a red light flashed them to a stop. Then the door of their car flew open, Christine dashed out across the street and melted into the river of humanity flowing down into the subway. Since Al Donovan didn't follow her, I followed him. When he finally pulled to a stop, he took two chances. He parked in a no-parking zone and walked straight into the building beside it, a police station. Mr. Dollar, Lieutenant. He's been waiting for you. Well? My name is Johnny Dollar, Lieutenant. Here are my credentials. 
Insurance, huh? Yeah, yeah, the Perry murder in particular. You've come to the right place, Teller. A man named Donovan just walked in here and made a full confession. He what? That's right. My clerk's just typing it up. In the meantime, the gentleman is down in the tank having a bite of lunch on the city. He confessed. Well, does his story add up? As far as I know, I haven't heard too much about the case myself. It's not in my precinct. Yeah, but what did he use for a motive? Jealousy. Says he's in love, wanted to marry Perry's wife. Did he say how he managed it? Yeah, he stole a key to the office from the wife's apartment. Entered the building last night and wired the bomb to the buzzer system. Well, I guess guys do a lot of strange things in the name of love. It looks like Donovan did. Yeah, he either killed the man or he's trying to cover up for someone who did. Say, Lieutenant, don't execute him for a couple of days, will you? I spent the rest of the afternoon downtown in the offices of Perry and Van Bruten, importers. The partner's correspondence told me two things. They had been extremely friendly, and Van Bruten was extremely bald. Perry had been sending him toupees from a famous Hollywood makeup firm. At 4.30, I got to the employment files, which rocked me with two minor explosions of their own. First, I learned that Al Donovan had been employed over a period of years as Perry's bodyguard, and that he had been canned the day before the murder. That confession of his, which had been a little hard to swallow, was suddenly more digestible. On top of this came blast number two, the employment application of Perry's secretary, Miss Susan Gates, informed me that during the war, she had worked in a munitions plant, her specialty, wiring bomb fuses. When Miss Susan Gates reached home at 8.30, she found a visitor, me. How did you get in here? Professional secret. Oh, you scared me. What do you want? Why did you come here this way? I wanted to bring you the good news. I heard on the radio that Al Donovan confessed to Perry's murder. Al? I, I can't believe it. Why not? Who do you like for the spot? Why, Christine. Al is covering up for her. Well, I'd like to agree with you. If it turns out that Christine wound up her husband's life with a bang, the company that hired me saves $100,000. But I don't know. She claims she has all kinds of alibis. One of them is you. Me? Yeah. Did you see her at the Clover Club last night? Oh, well, yes, I... Yeah, I know who you were with, your boss. There's nothing wrong with that. No, 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 I'm not preaching a sermon. I, I want to know who she was with. I don't know. A man I'd never seen before. Mr. Perry knew him, but he wouldn't tell me who he was. Why not? I don't know. He said I might get the wrong idea. About what? I don't know. We didn't sit there and talk about it all night, so why should we sit here and talk about it all night? All right, all right. Good heavens, when a census taker shows up and asks a lot of questions, people answer them. When an investigator tries to do his job, they, they make the proverbial clam look like a, a blabbermouth. Look, look, Mr. Dollar, believe me. This has been a greater shock to me than to anyone else. Yes, excepting, of course, your late employer, Mr. Perry. How long did you work for him? Four years. Where'd you work before then? Well, I worked... Let me help you. Bombs, huh? Wiring fuses. Remember? All right. I remember. Good. Maybe you'll remember a little more. Let's go back to last night. The guy with Christine Perry, who was he? I tell you, I don't know. Was it Van Bruten? I don't know. You don't know? No! 
I'll get that. No, no, I'll go. Just make sure you don't keep going. Susan! When Susan snapped the spring lock to open the door, the gun outside opened up. The first slug caught her in the left shoulder, spinning her out of the way of the rest of them. It was getting monotonous. Every time a buzzer went off, things started booming. Susan was sprawled out on the floor in front of the door, and to open it, I had a mover. By the time I did, the hallway outside was empty. Okay, okay, now, take it easy. Come on. Don't start hurting for a couple of minutes. We'll have a doctor here by then. He'll give you something. Please, please, try to keep calm. Here, what? Throw my coat over here. Now, try not to move. You're going to ruin this rug. Never mind the rug. What we want to worry about is who tried to ruin you. What'll they do to me? What'll who do to you? They'll arrest me. They don't arrest people for getting shot. You have any idea who it was? That man in the office this morning. The one who picked up the check. Van Bruton? No. No, he wasn't Van Bruton. He was a phony? Yeah. And you still gave him that check? Yes. Well, I won't ask you why. You gave him that check and then tried to blackmail him. Is that right? They'll arrest me. I wouldn't be surprised. Who is this guy? Where can I find him? Come on, don't pass out on me now. His name, quick, come on. Then Sam. Where does he live? Marsden Hotel. Under his own name? No, I... I, I don't... I don't blame you. I could use a few moments of unconsciousness myself. The Marsden Hotel didn't have a Dutch name on the register. So I got a hold of the housekeeper and found out how many rooms her staff hadn't been able to make up all day because of no disturbed signs on their doors. And then I went a-calling at those particular rooms. On the ninth floor, I wakened one old maid. On the seventh, I startled a bunch of poker players who thought they were being raided. And on the fourth, I struck the door of 427 and the jackpot. Who's there? Don't you see the sign? I do not wish to be disturbed. Sorry, I must have the wrong room. I started up the hall after the fire axe. When I got to it, I changed my mind. Out of the few things I learned about this guy, Van Sand, was that he loved to shoot people through doors. So I decided against trying to chop his down. Then I remembered the way those people came pouring out of those offices earlier in the day when they heard that fire alarm. So I picked up the little red hammer next to the big red fire axe broke the little glass window, pulled the little brass hook, and set off a big brassy noise. And then I rushed back to 427. Fire! Fire! Red fire! Fire! There! There's the fire! Right here in my eyes, sweetheart! Why you come here, you wish you don't? Never mind, dresser. You're through shooting guns. What do you think, Van Sand? You want to try some more? You cannot make me stay here. It's a fire. We will all die. You'll look good barbecued, but I'll make a deal with you. You talk, and if I like what I hear, I'll show you how to get out of here alive. How I know this? You don't think I'm going to stay here and fry, do you? And if you don't start flapping that tongue in a hurry, I'll probably just tie you to a chair and run. So first, where is the real Van Bruton? You will find him in the bedroom. Yeah, he'd better be alive. He's out cold. What's the matter with him? He will be all right. 
It's under sedatives. Where did this identity switch start? Come on, hurry up, talk. I smell smoke. I knew Van Bruten from Antwerp. I know about the sale of his interests. I know the girl in the office here had never seen Van Bruten. Look, we go now. Don't get up. Come on, keep talking. I can feel it getting warm in here. Oh, it's a firefighters. We will be safe. Don't be too sure. They always start at the top floor and work their way down. Come on, I can hear those flames crackling. You know the rest. Last night, when the transaction was all finished with Perry, I, I gave to Van Bruten some sedative in his cocoa. So you set up that bomb so Perry would get it before you showed up to pick up the check, huh? Yeah, I told you that. How the girl knows I am an impost, I don't know. Well, let me tell you. She's been sending old Van Bruten toupees for the last four years. Gray ones, my red-headed friend. Oh, uh, I can stand up now. We go out from here, no? We go out from here, no? Yes, out. Cool. Expense account, item four, a dollar forty. Night letter informing you that American Continental would have to meet payment of claim to Mrs. Christine Perry, innocent widow of the insured. The only thing she was guilty of was trying to stay on the right side of a hot-tempered boyfriend. She lied about who she was with at the Clover Club not to fix herself an alibi, but to keep Al Donovan from learning that she'd been out with another man, that man being the real Mr. Van Bruten, who had only taken her out to try to talk her into reconciling with his friend, her husband. Expense account item five, $100. Fine for turning in a false alarm, which since you're paying it with me is just fine. Expense account total, $463, yours uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs>